Good to see you, Fred, and welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us, and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. How are you, my friend? Man, I am doing great. Doing great. Hope you are as well. Well, so, you know, we got a we got another big week kicking off, and yeah. I got inspired by our airship discussion last week, and uh, there was some positive uh, stuff going around in Facebook about the fact that we had talked about airships. So I thought, hey, you know what? Let's uh, let's talk about our favorite airship subject. Let's do a show on that, which is, hey, airships in space. Because is there anything cooler than airships in space? Let's let's start with that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> with we, that question. We, we don't talk about airships enough. That's all I know. And, uh, we, you know, let's, uh, let's week number two with airships is a great idea. We ought to, we ought to give them their due. So, yeah, if, awesome. if, 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 if we do an airship show a week, I think we're just probably just hitting our stride with, uh, with airships, <laughs> but, uh, but, but putting right. them in space, it's kind of like, it's one of those great combinations. I don't know. It's like, um, actually I can't think of anything else quite that cool. It's like a, uh, mm, it's it's like a robot in your flying car. I don't know. I can't even think of anything quite as cool as, as taking <laughs> airships to space. But this is uh, this is not a uh, taking airships to orbit. Not a new topic for us. We were talking about this before the show started, and uh, this is something that we have blogged about. You have blogged about from the earliest days of the speculus. Is that right? Absolutely. We um, I like 2004, 2005. I was blogging about it. I even wrote. Well, I don't, I don't know if you recall, but a, a quick little short story. Uh, about a guy arriving at a dark dark sky station and uh, doing maintenance uh, at a dark sky station. So it's uh, and I published that at the Speculist as well. We we've and, you know this is just a fun topic and uh, we've had some good times with uh, blog, you know writing about it and uh, and and uh, you know we have but we've not spent as much time I don't think uh, talking about the concepts on on, uh, on our podcast. So hey, let's let's do it. Well, let's hit it because here's here's what's going on. There's this uh, company JP Aerospace, and they are pushing a concept that probably deserves a little bit more attention. We don't know if it's going to work or not, but the idea is one that's been explored in science fiction, and it's one that, if it could work, has tremendous implications for. Space, and that is the idea of taking lighter-than-air aircraft and accelerating them to orbital speeds, getting them up very high, obviously, and then pushing them to orbital speeds. Let me just let me just read a little section from this article that we've linked here. It says the airships would be constructed and inflated at an altitude of 140,000 feet on a high-altitude platform. This is the dark sky station that you're referring to, Stephen. And we got to find, by the way, got to find a link to that story. So I can include yeah. that in the uh, in the show notes. So-called because it's so high in the atmosphere that the sky there is dark, just as it is when seen from space, even at midday. They'd be far too flimsy to survive at ground level. It would be fine for flight at the height above all the weather in our atmosphere. 
passengers would travel up to this platform in a more conventional stratospheric airship, then transfer to the orbital airship for the final stage of their journey. Then they slowly accelerate to orbit over a time period of several days. I mean, this is just this is just a cool concept any way you look at it because this is, um, for one thing, you're taking several days to get into space. So it's like a cruise ship, right, to space. Yeah. Um, and um, it's a two-stage journey. You take a regular airship. Actually, it would have to be a pretty awesome airship anyway to get you that high. But you take a regular wow. airship to get, <laughs> to get to the station. And then once you're in the station, you get on this, I think it's got to be huge, V-shaped airship, solar power, oh, yeah. which is going to slowly accelerate over a period of several days to about 17,000 miles per hour and push you into orbit. It's almost like cheating your way into orbit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, well, you know, and uh, the, this, this thing has got like a, uh, you know, like a mile-wide, you know, a wingspan. So it's, it's, you know, it's huge. And, uh, and, and uh, you're thinking, well, we're still talking airships. How in the world? Well, you know, again, you're above the weather. You're above most, of, most air, right? Even at the beginning of the journey, there's not – you don't have a lot of friction that you're dealing with uh, at that altitude. So, so what's what's going on there? Well, yeah, the wings themselves would serve as solar panels, uh, and front and and using the energy uh, harvested that way, uh, it's accelerating the um, uh, you know rocket uh, rockets that are uh, uh, being pushed out the back of this thing, and uh, like I said, it's slowly, slowly getting you up to speed. You know, there's there's no getting getting past the fact that you have to have a certain amount of speed to get get into orbit. You can't you can't uh, you can't cheat your way, you know, just by floating up to orbital, you know, to to orbit. You have to actually be traveling that speed. And um, but that's that's accomplished in this way. Now it's a very very flimsy aircraft and would not be able to uh, to survive at lower altitudes. Uh, but uh, uh, it, you know, it's thought that it could handle this and. Uh, so it's it's remarkable. I I, I would um, it, it, well, you know there's so many good things about doing it this way, Bill. I mean, now I guess we spend the rest of our show talking about the advantages of this if it works. You know. Well, let's uh, yeah. Just the, the the three big objections that I, that are raised in in the article. Why it's controversial is could you really get enough power to get the orbital velocity? Um, could you keep a craft aerodynamic at that height? And um, wouldn't the wouldn't the whole concept itself fall apart because you can't really maintain buoyancy at that level? And the the linked article actually addresses all of those, uh, yeah. talking about using solar power to achieve that um, uh, that that level of um, of acceleration. Talking about the fact that uh, the large wing size could achieve this aerodynamic effect. There's a there there is a discussion about what's called the Kármán line, this point beyond which an aircraft just won't work. And yeah. according to some but critics... But there's just not enough, uh, not enough air to... Uh, <laughs> there's no more air. Yeah, you run out of the no, air. No air to provide the Bernoulli effect that uh, keeps mm-hmm. aircrafts and uh, keep, keeps conventional aircraft in, in the sky, right? Right. And, uh, and, and, and so all of, these are, all of these are addressed, but these are, the, these are kind of the challenge points around it. What's interesting is it's less controversial to talk about using an airship for reentry, right? If you send a rocket up, if you've got people up in space, the idea of reversing being in orbit and coming down this way, no one disagrees that that might be possible. 
So it's, it, it could be that this is implemented initially as a, uh, as a way back, right, before, <laughs> before yeah. they get the, uh, as, a, as a way up going. And in fact, that might be one of the proofs of concept along the way. It might be one of the milestones that they have to achieve. And I, it, it reminds me of, uh, have you seen the movie Hidden Figures? I have not. What's that about? Oh, oh Hidden Figures is about uh, these uh, African-American women who were involved in uh, the space program in the early 60s. It's a great movie. You, you should check it out. Uh, for one thing, if you, if you like the right stuff, um, you, you see the story of John Glenn's flight from a completely different uh, perspective. Um, and it's, it's, just, it's a wonderful story because it's kind of a you know, hidden story about the fact that there were people working in the space program that you never knew about. And in fact, there were these African-American women who were math geniuses who were uh, contributing in a huge way to the program, which was kind of, you know, has not been, has not been widely known. But, uh, but, but my point is, one of, the, one of the things they talk about in that movie is they're making their first orbital flight. And at that point, the U.S. had sent um, satellites into space. But we'd never sent a craft with somebody, uh, excuse me, into orbit. But we'd never sent a craft with somebody on it into orbit. And they had this problem of we know how to put something into orbit, but we've never taken something out of orbit before. And it, yeah. so that was the pro- you know it was like this was a new, this was a new math problem. It was a it was a new uh, space problem that had to be solved. And and you know the the whole proof of concept was actually done with John Glenn's flight. I mean, he was the, you know, he was, the, he was the proof that, that we could do it. I mean, that it could be done was known because the Russians had done it, but we didn't know how to do it until, um, until the first time, the, the first time we did it. I think that's interesting reversal here, right? Where it was, yeah. uh, it was easy to get into orbit, but we didn't know if we could come out of orbit here. Uh, we're looking at a technology that can maybe get us out of orbit, but we're, we're less sure that it could, that it could get us into orbit. But I think it probably could. I, you know, I, I'm going to just – let's go with the it works, um, as you said. And if it works, how big a deal is this? Why would oh, this, for example, be huge. better than taking a rocket into space? Well, um, you know, there, there, will, there will never be, um, you know, space tourism for normal people, you know, uh, flying rockets into space. I mean, uh, SpaceX, as much as I, I – I love that company and love what they're doing. Um, you know, you still you're, you're still going to have to be in great shape. You, you know, you need to you're going to have to have some uh, training and just I mean just to handle the ride into orbit, right? right. Um, it's uh, it is you're riding on top of an, ex- an exploding rocket. You know, it's explosive force sending you. Uh, uh, at, at multiple G's, I think it's something like seven, eight G's that you have to pull. Right. Uh, to get so you've got to be in good shape. You've got to be yeah. a very healthy person to do that. Yeah. A very yeah. fit, That's, trained that is, person. That is not for grandma. I'm telling you. Right. Right. But but what if uh, or not for like grandma, say Phil and Stephen? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or Phil and Stephen, for that matter. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um. I, so uh, what if we have the dream to get you know um uh, you know people that uh, are middle aged or are further along in life than than middle age even and uh, but they have the d- desire to get into uh, space and and see the Earth from that vantage point or or even go further um, you know to the moon or something. Uh, how, how, how do they get into space? Well, it's going to have to be something like this. It's going to have to be a gentle ride, and uh, um, this you know this is one way to do it. And there's other things too. There's there are other advantages too. But the gentle ride to space is huge. 
That you know that is that is a big one, right? I, I also yeah. think that um, if it works, it's just a lot less wasteful than a rocket, right? You're getting a much right. uh, you, you're yeah, getting well, a much that, more energy efficient points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's one stage to orbit. You know, you don't you're not having to break your air your your craft into the multiple pieces uh, that you you know. Even with uh, SpaceX, uh, you know, recovering all of it, they're still recovering pieces and having to put them back together, right? Right, um, right. exactly. And so this is it keeps your craft in one piece, and uh, the only thing that you're losing is the the fuel uh, to to get you there. So that's pretty amazing. That's pretty amazing. So you know, you know uh, I, I think when you talk about space tourism, that's that's really interesting. You you, you can see space happening as kind of a uh, multi-tiered industry at this point because a lot of people would probably consider it plenty spacey enough if they just got the dark sky station right kind right, of like right. Uh, you know adventurers who make it all the way to Everest base camp and then they talk about that for the rest of their life you know it's like I'm not going to try to summit Everest but I did go to base camp it's pretty cool right um, right right it, you, you know, you put some you put some facilities up on Dark Sky Station, and that's essentially, you know, you've you've in some sense, you've in some sense gone to space. So it, that 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 two tiered trip actually kind of helps create that uh, that uh, basic idea of uh, of space tourism. It's it's really good infrastructure for that, and I think you're right. You know, it's uh, you've got this more energy efficient way of getting a payload into space. It'll be interesting to see. As they as they move forward on this, what the what the comparisons come to be? Because we know that rockets are going to become more efficient, right? That's what Elon Musk, that's what Jeff Bezos, everybody's working on that right now, making right. making sending things into space with rockets a a more viable economic proposition. And eventually, it gets a lot cheaper than it is today. It's already getting cheaper. These, these guys are already pushing it in that direction. But does it get cheap as using a balloon, right, over several days. I don't know. I mean, that, that's some interesting math to be done there. And it would be interesting to see if something like this emerges as an actual competitive force, uh, a competitive alternative to, to using rockets. That would be – it seems to me that would only accelerate us into space if you had, if you right. had two, two viable ways of getting there. Now, when you talk about uh, a general it, rise, the other thing that comes to mind is the space elevator, how does right, this compare right. to that? Do you think? Well, I, because to I me it seems like the the common thing is it takes a few days to get up there, right? That's that's one thing. right, right. Uh, e- either uh, riding the elevator, space elevator, or uh, doing uh, this um, airspace to orbit, it's going to take a it's going to take some time uh, to uh, to get to orbit. Uh, but uh, this is uh, how does it compare? I I would guess that they they'd be very very similar. Uh, you're It'd be a general ride both ways, and uh, I, my thought, Phil, is that this this way, this airship to orbit, I think may be a little closer to uh, to possible, uh, at least in the short term. I think that you know, ultimately we may do both, but uh, uh, maybe uh, you know maybe the uh, uh, space elevator is a few years further out than this, right? And, uh, this has got we some of the advantages of the space elevator. It's got the gentle right. way of getting to orbit. It's got the energy efficiency. It's got the kind of permanent infrastructure of the space elevator. But it doesn't require 
that extreme engineering feat. It requires some very exotic engineering and solving some technical problems that we don't even know can be solved, which, are, which is also true with the space elevator. But it seems like they're, I don't know, like a whole order of magnitude less yeah. in, terms of, in terms of what you have to do. The infrastructure for the space elevator is you're actually building a chain, you know, a cable from Earth into space. That's going to be, when we do that eventually, if we do it, and I think we will, the greatest engineering feat of all time. Right. This will be a really awesome engineering feat, but it seems to me it's just this is a lot simpler, right? If this works, this is a this is a great step in that direction. Right. And it, it may be that it works so well that uh, you know the question is raised: Well, why do we even need a space elevator? Yeah, we we got this, and uh, this accomplishes the things that uh, we would want to have with a space elevator without having to, <laughs> to do it. Uh, but, uh, I, I, you know, ultimately we, they, we may find that there are reasons that we want the space elevator. It can be made even a, uh, even a more gent- a gentle ride. And uh, there may be some problems with the airspace to orbit thing that uh, um, it may not be quite as safe as we could engineer a space elevator to be, perhaps. You know, there's – but um, – I think that uh, it's 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 remarkable. I wanted to read uh, the paragraph r- r- regarding uh, the uh, the engine on the on this spacecraft mm-hmm. uh, real quick. I, Go ahead. I, let me just do, do it. it. Uh, these will be used to accelerate uh, the exhaust of conventional rocket fuel uh, to get much the same uh, much more thrust from the same amount of fuel as a dirty ion thruster. With performance in between a rocket and an ion thruster, both in terms of the amount of thrust and the amount of fuel needed. That's interesting. Um, so it's, it's, we're not talking just put a rocket on the back of this thing and turn it into a, some sort of rocket airship plane thing. It's, uh, it's again, a gentle amount of thrust. That's what an ion thruster does. It just keeps pushing at a kind of a, a lower rate than a rocket and ends up getting you faster than a rocket ever could because you're not expending very much fuel. Right. Um, but it takes but it takes time. Well, that's that's what we're talking about. This thing just keeps flying around the planet, building up speed slowly, and until you have uh, have a, enough speed to get into uh, into orbit. It's a it's a fascinating concept. A dirty ion thruster, something halfway between a rocket and an ion thruster. That's interesting. Well, that is interesting. That that idea of slow acceleration is really what you achieve perfectly with a space elevator, because you feel like you're you know, in one sense, you're only climbing up, and yet somehow, by the time you get to the end of it, you're going tens of thousands of miles per hour around the Earth, right? Even right. though all you've done, all you've effectively done, is is move up a cable, uh, you've slowly accelerated yourself to this uh, to, to to this orbital speed, it, 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 which which is why I guess the space elevator is the ultimate cheat into orbit. It, it is the ultimate. The, you don't you don't have to go fast to go fast, kind of kind of trick. And this is the is rather than, you know, putting an explosion under you and and pushing yourself immediately to that speed or pushing yourself to that speed in a matter of just a few minutes, you do it over hours and hours and hours. Just just gradually there's that thing, that that thruster just pushing out a little more, a little more, a little more. And I think that speaks to the to the scary side of this too, which is that for that to work this mile wingspan vehicle that we're talking about is by terrestrial standards. Just a really flimsy proposition, isn't it? It is. It is. 
so flimsy you have to launch from a, the dark sky station. You, it couldn't it couldn't deal with the weather below. Right, and, uh, right. It would just it would definitely break up. It would definitely break up below. But you get it out of the atmosphere. It's kind of like the the LEM going to the moon. That's a yeah. that's a vehicle that would be of no use whatsoever in our atmosphere, but it works fine on the moon. And that's kind of the that's kind of the idea here. You look at this huge flimsy looking you know balsa wood paper airplane kind of thing and you think oh i'm not getting up in that well you wouldn't want to get up in that in the air but in space or the edge of space you'll be fine um yeah. i i have to i have to reflect on on one thing you said though now i love airships to orbit because of the coolness but if it interferes with the space elevator coming on <laughs> then we got a real battle of coolness going on there right that, that was the that was the thing I wasn't thinking of earlier. Airships to orbit is just, it's cool right up there with the space elevator. So we might have a real fun well, at the end of that. Think of it as the revenge of the uh, airship, because why do we not have airships now, right? We don't have airships now because we have airplanes. Right. That, and, and it just, it was like, uh, it was like a, uh, it was an idea that was, you know, to some extent was a bit of a dead end because, you know, once we learned, how to do airplanes as well as we've learned. Uh, then what's the point of an airship? Well, here we do. Maybe we do airships so well that what's the point of the space elevator? It's it's you know it's like you know it's like Montezuma's revenge airship style. You know, yeah, I like I'm, it. I'm I, I like it. Well, it it, yeah. it it definitely works as the as the revenge against airplanes. Airplanes <laughs> came along and you know they were better in the air than airships, so we didn't need airships. And then suddenly you reach a point where you can't do it with an airplane. And you create an airship because it, it gets you the it gets you the rest of the way up there. Well, right. I think it's an idea that we're going to hear a lot more about. It's worth exploring. It's worth it's worth talking about. And I urge everyone to follow the links here and read Stephen's story and read up on what's happening with plans for Dark Sky Station. I think this could this could well be a big piece of our future in space so godspeed jp aerospace and let's let's get moving with those airships to orbit <laughs> all right well great talking with you Stephen. it's great being with you all we're going to be back on wednesday with a brand new show talking a little bit about crispr and gene editing look forward to being with you all then and until next time live to see it 